have your Bibles today and would turn with me, I'm going to turn to the book of Galatians chapter 6. I'm going to read one verse, and it's such a familiar passage that perhaps you would be able to quote it if I just prompted you for a moment. We're going to see what the Lord has in store for us. Galatians 6, verse 9, and let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Lord, help us this morning to speak what you've laid upon our heart. Let the hearts and the minds of this congregation today be touched by the power of your word. Lord, where I come short today with speaking, I pray, Lord, that the Spirit speaks expressly to the hearts and minds of your people, helps us and strengthens us and sends the message that you have for us, O oh Lord. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. You can be seated. London in April 1940 was a place of great fear and conflict. World War II was in mid-conflict and literally the world stood on alert. It was in the middle of the most critical time when Winston Churchill debated whether the British would fight Hitler. Civilization itself seemed imperiled. The Germans were marching with very little resistance. They had taken Poland, France, Holland, Belgium, Czechoslovakia. They now menace Britain. And the questions raised is, should Britain negotiate with Germany or stand and fight? The members of the war cabinet became so on edge that they seemed to turn on one another. They were bickering and yelling and losing control of their emotions. They were extremely divided. Their country and very existence were now on the line. Winston Churchill leading the fraction that was in favor of fighting stepped forward and made a statement that impacted the war. It changed the minds of the hearts of the people. When he just made a simple statement that seemed to catch on, and he just simply said, we must never give up. We must never give up. I, I, I hope this morning that I can somehow speak into the hearts and minds of each of you today. And if I accomplish very little with this message today, I hope you walk out of here. Maybe you walked in here feeling defeated and wondering if it's worth the battle. But I pray that by the time you walk out of here this morning that you have been, you have been uh, impacted by the Word of God to a point that it will cause you to walk out saying, I will never give up. 
I, I said something to someone yesterday that I was riding in a vehicle with and I looked over at them and I said, don't ever get the mindset that you are defeated. Don't ever let your words start being words of defeat. Don't, let, don't give up in your mind. Don't give up in your, in your words. Don't give up in your attitude. Don't give up in your actions. You must never give up. It doesn't matter what you're fighting this morning. There's some in this building today that have been fighting physical ailment and you've been sick for a long time. You've been going through it for a while. Some that have been dealing with financial oppression for a very long time. It doesn't matter who I'm speaking to or what we're talking about this morning. If you will get this in your spirit this morning, I don't even have to preach very long because you will begin to walk in a brand new victory that you haven't walked in in a very long time. We must never give up. Some of us may wonder how that the men of the Old Testament could willingly walk into some extreme hazards of ancient battle. The situations and the settings of war were always undesirable. In scorching heat, in drenching storms, and bitter cold, in the desert, on mountains, and valleys, and wildernesses, why would these men of ancient times willingly put their lives in harm's way. It was certainly not for the novelty of wearing uniforms, if, if they had uniforms at all. They would have been ill-fitting and made of rough fabrics, and perhaps they would have chafed or itched. They, they didn't have the convenience of modern protective gear. Ancient armor was heavy, bulky, and uncomfortable, to say the least. These men were obviously... Not in battle because of the novelty of driving a tank or flying a jet or launching a missile. They were not in battle because of a, a slick recruiting program with catchy phrases that captured their imagination. Ancient war was gruesome. It was something that defies description. Most of these men in that day would have fought hand to hand. They were so close to their enemy that they could literally smell the rotten breath of their foe as they engaged in the deadly struggle called war. The very nature of these epic battles offered only misery and risk. The close quarters put each man at peril and, and, and here they are with swords, people falling next to them. They're being impaled, dismembered, or ultimately killed. Ancient warfare was brutal. Few, few of those who died in battle were fortunate enough to die an instant death from the blow of an axe or a spear or a sword. As a matter of fact, the gaping womb of an axe, the protruding spear, the razor-edged sword that found his mark was just the beginning of a very slow and cruel death of an ancient soldier. In the heat of battle, the wounded were left on the dusty ground to groan in pain and suffer in their unspeakable agony. Ancient commentators of that time wrote, there was nothing 
as haunting as hearing the hysterical screams and moans of those in the throes of death on the battlefield. History tells us that their crushed bones and partially dismembered bodies were often left in the elements for the eventually lurking scavengers to come and find them and finish them off or eat them while alive. The struggle, the blood, the sweat, the gruesome drama of war couldn't possibly be something to be enjoyed. Yet, these men would wade into battle with their teeth clenched, with their weapons clashing, until their hands are covered in blisters and bleeding, with nothing more than the promise of misery and peril. I would pose this question to you this morning. Why did the warriors even bother to show up? Why did they put their lives in such peril? Why did these men fight so fiercely? What was it that motivated them to offer their lives so willingly? May I remind you that they were ordinary people just like you and just like me. They did not relish the idea of participating in the horrors of war, for they were terrible. I'm sure they had the hollow feeling in the pit of their stomach. I'm sure they wondered if they would make it back to see their families. They might have even suppressed the urge to have turned and ran. But in spite of all of these perils and all of these emotions and all of these things, I will attempt to tell you this morning why I believe they fought so fiercely and so selfishly. Selfishly. It's because in that day, Surrender was worse than defeat. The enemy would not show mercy to those who surrender. Surrender sealed their fate. One historian said in those early days war was total in that if a territory was conquered or a city taken, whatever was in it belonged to the victor. Men, women, children, and their goods and their property. History records the able-bodied men and women captured in war could be taken as the captors on slaves or to be sold as slaves. The rest were considered useless and often slaughtered in cold blood. In some instances, heads, scalps, fingers, ears were all taken and flaunted as the warriors' exploits. In other instances, in certain, in a certain number of the captives were taken to be used as part of a human ritual of sacrifice in victory celebrations to pagan gods. And we think we have it bad. Ordinary people just like you and I face the ugly horror of battle because their homes, their families, and their communities were too precious to give away through surrender. Ordinary people recognize that precious things are not to be surrendered. It was as if they were saying, if you want this, you're going to have to go through this in order to get it. There was no hope in surrender. Their fate was sealed in surrender. Their only hope was for them to stand and to fight. Regardless how much the odds were stacked against them, there was still no hope in surrender. It forced them to stand and fight. We live in a different day physically. We live in a different day politically. But spiritually, we live in this ancient warfare. It is the battle for the souls of men and women. I can see in my mind's eye a father strapping his gear with a grin on his face. 
his future uncertain, knowing in his heart that the only thing standing between my babies and these ruthless predators is me. If the enemy prevails, babies will be torn from the arms of their mothers. Sons will be beaten and daughters will be abused. Entire families will be chained and enslaved. The prized and coveted treasures in their homes would be taken and everything that remained would end up destroyed. In those days, there's no United Nations to investigate war crimes or atrocities against humanity. There was no such thing as shaking hands with the enemy and walking away on agreeable terms. Someone would be the conqueror and someone would be the devastated prize at the mercy of the victor. That meant that the loser and everything he owned became the property of the conqueror. For this reason, surrender had no hope in it. Only fighting and staying in the war left any possibility of hope. In other words, you fought until death or you fought until victory. They were not fighting just for honor of their country. They were fighting for their very own existence. This is the battle that you and I are in today. I feel the Holy Ghost this morning. It's not just a flesh and blood battle. It's much deeper than that. It is for the souls of men and women, for the souls of our family. It's for the souls in our community. I know this, I know this can grow weary really quickly this morning, but I come to preach to you a little bit. We cannot grow weary in this battle. We cannot surrender. We've got to stand up up and fight until we win the victory. <coughs> I know it feels like it would be easier to give up. I too have dealt with those struggles and those battles. I too have dealt with those questions. I too have wrestled with the enemy even in recent times when I heard him whisper in my ear and say it would be much easier if you would give up. He's come to me in many ways and he came to me more recently in a dream in which I know it was the voice of the enemy speaking into my ear saying give up, close your mouth and remain silent. Give up, shake hands and walk away politely. Save face and stop fighting. But we stand, ladies and gentlemen, at a point where we are left no other recourse other than to fight. If we give up, the enemy wins. If we give up, Satan rules. If we give up, there's going to be souls lost. I stand in this pulpit this morning to call this church to the form of war, not in politics. I couldn't care less. I've heard enough about it already. I don't want to hear no more. I'm not interested in politics. I'm not interested in talking economy. I am interested in talking, fighting a spiritual war against the, against the, the, the prince of the power of the air. And I come this morning to declare that we will be victorious because God is fighting for us. And if God be for us, who can be against us? 
I'm tired of watching our young people grow up and get in their 20s and backslide. I'm tired of watching our kids grow up and go into false doctrine. I'm, I'm tired of watching our, our, our young families be ravaged and torn apart by the enemy. I come today declaring war in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's some of you that know what I mean this morning and you're ready to do battle. You're ready to go to the altar. You're ready to find a place of prayer. You're ready to fast until your belly button falls off. If the that's what it takes. But we are declaring war against the enemy that's trying to ravage our homes and families and lives and communities. Wouldn't it be easier, Pastor, just to preach on love on Sunday morning? Wouldn't it be easier just to talk about the goodness of the Lord, talk about faith and hope and charity and walking away and going to a restaurant? It might be easier, but that's not where we are. There is an enemy that is coming against the church. He's coming against your family. He's coming against your home. For he comes not but just to kill, to steal, and to destroy. And there is no hope in surrender. You ever been in a battle you felt like giving up? Anybody ever given up a time or two? Come on, don't make me feel like I'm all by myself up here. When you just literally shift gears and go into I'll give up mode. Where did that get you? It got you defeated. It doesn't matter how long. I feel the unction of the Holy Ghost this morning. It doesn't matter how long that you have been battling and praying for your healing. Don't give up. It doesn't matter how long that you have been praying for your lost family member. And don't let anybody come through and tell you you prayed once, now just go on thanking God and leaving it alone. Put it in the hands of the Lord. Take it to God every day in prayer. This is war. You don't fight one battle and walk away and claim the war, but you got to stay in the battle until the victory is yours. Pray for that family member until you see them on the altar receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Pray for that spouse until they're saved. Pray for that loved one until they're saved. Doesn't matter how long you've been battling with that emotional situation and you feel like that the only answer is to try, try to, 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 to get some help in other, in other resources, I'm going to tell you where the battle's at, ladies and gentlemen. The battle will be won on your knees. We've got to get down on our knees and get busy fighting against the enemy that is warring against our souls. Never give up, never give up, never give up. Well, if I deny that I'm in a battle, maybe, maybe it'll go away. If I ignore the battle, maybe it'll go away. Until the knock comes on your door. And they tell you, you don't own this home anymore. You don't reside here anymore. Because you stuck your hand in the sand and, and, and your head in the sand, and, and you, you thought that it would just go away if you didn't fight the battle. 
But now that the war has been lost because you didn't fight, and they come to tell you that you no longer can reside here, that all the territory that you have won and your, and your mom and dad won and your grandma and grandpa won and all of those that went before you won has been given up because you have stopped fighting and put your head in the sand and wanted to declare there's no war going on. The ostrich effect is not going to win a war. you got to get your head out of the sand and start recognizing where we are. And our answer is not in politics. And our answer is not in a better economy. And our answer is not in more rules and regulations. Our answer is fighting a war. This is spiritual. This world is not our home. The kingdom of God is not of this world. Come on, child of God. we got to understand where we are today. I'm tired of seeing people live defeated, downcast, downtrodden. we got to get up from where we are this morning and declare I'm not going to remain silent. I'm going to fight. I'm going to stand. Uh, when I've done all I know I can do to stand, I'll just keep standing. Denying it's not going to make it go away. Trying to escape it is futile. This battle is for your soul. Let's break this down. When the enemy attacks you, comes against you, it doesn't matter what he uses or who he uses as a pawn. There is a purpose, and the purpose is related to your soul. The enemy doesn't care what kind of car you drive or what kind of house you live in. The enemy doesn't care how many songs we sing. He doesn't care how many buildings we build. He doesn't care. What he cares about is your soul. Because if he can discourage you and cause you to make peace with the enemy, you can't shake hands with the enemy and walk away. You can't negotiate with a terrorist. I think we've learned that, haven't we? You can't negotiate with a terrorist. You've got to fight. You've got to fight. And the devil, ladies and gentlemen, I'll call him who he is. The devil, ladies and gentlemen, is not for you but against you. And he is a terrorist that is trying to destroy you. You will never out-negotiate the devil. And he has come for the purpose of getting your soul. He'll attack your marriage, but he really wants your soul. He'll attack your finances, but he really is after your soul. He'll he'll work you over on your job, but he really is concerned about your soul. He'll cause you to, he'll, he'll make you believe that the church is against you, but he's really after your soul. 
I wish somebody would hear what the preacher's preaching this morning. We are in a war. We are in a battle. And we've got to stand up and say, I'm not going to surrender, but I'm going to fight in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and understand it's not my brother or my sister that I need to be fighting, but it is the enemy that is trying to destroy my soul, trying to get in my family and destroy my my spouse, destroy my children, destroy my grandchildren. I refuse to stand idly by. I come this morning declaring war on the enemy. We're going to talk more about it tonight. Oh, I feel the help of the Holy Ghost today. We're going to talk a little more about it tonight. The last two weeks we've been in prayer and fasting. And the enemy has raised his head about as strong against me as I have dealt with. Now, tomorrow, There is a group of about 20 or 25 young, 26 young men, preachers, ministers of the gospels, evangelists, that on August the 1st are launching into a 30 or 40 day fast. Now, I'm not calling the church to a 30 day fast. I thought you would breathe easier. You're still holding your breath, afraid of what I am calling you into. We're going to talk more about it tonight. But the church, right here in the middle of summertime, is we're about to step up our season of prayer and fasting. I know you got jobs. I know you got work. I know you got schedules. I know you have vacations. I know you have plans. That's all good and well, but we are in war. And in war, there's no vacation. We're going to fight through this. I know it's we got 10 days till school starts back, but you know what we're going to do in the middle of this 10 days is we're going to go to war. We're going to be praying more than we've been praying, and we're going to fast harder than we've been fasting. I'm not calling you to 30 days, but we're going to talk to you about it tonight. And we're going to be ramping up our season of prayer and fasting. And we're going to be calling some special prayer meetings. And some of them are going to be impromptu. Some of them are going to be spur of a moment. I don't want anybody. Hear me clearly. I'll say this again tonight, but I want to make it very clear. I don't want anybody to feel pressured. I'm not keeping records. I'm not taking notes. I don't want anybody to feel pressured. So when I put out a call and say there's going to be a prayer meeting, when, when, we, when, we call, when we call, if you can be here, be here. If you can't, don't trash those that do. We're doing this impromptu by design. Because I'm going to tell you why. Because when the enemy knows what you have planned, He's got time to set up obstacles to come against you. So we're going to call some impromptu strategic prayer meetings. It may be at 6.30 one morning. It may be at 8.30 one night. It may be at midnight for those that can make it. We're going to do surprise attacks on the enemy. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha. I know some of you are going, woohoo, 
It doesn't matter if it's just three or four of us, if that's all it can get here. That's fine. I know. I know we could have way more here if we planned it and strategized it and the enemy could plan his measure of attack. And if you can be here, good. If you have to pray in your prayer closet, you can shoot a missile from over there and over there. But we're going to gather here and we're going to be in prayer and we're going to be fasting and the enemy's not going to know what's come against him because we are in war and we will not surrender and we shall be victorious in the name of the Lord. And the effects of the 30 day the effects of the 30 day prayer and fasting that these evangelists and young ministers are doing is going to be felt in Frankfurt because we are going to we're going to pray a prayer hedge about all those that are doing so and we're going to participate as much as we possibly can and we're going to be part of a worldwide revival that is about to break forth I thought we did this in January and February. Surprise attack, baby. We're going after it in the middle of summer. We're going to harvest in harvest season. God is going to bring about revival in the church. This battle is for your soul. Hell doesn't have a vacation schedule. The enemy will throw everything at you that he's got. But there's good news. When you've done everything you can do and you stand, I think I read enough scriptures and I'm not even going to take the time to pull them all out this morning because you know the truth. This battle's not yours anyway for it belongs to... Who was that it belongs to? Who's that it belongs to? The battle's not whose... It's not mine, but it belongs to the Lord. As long as you keep fighting, you have hope. The thief, ladies and gentlemen, is wanting to steal, to kill, and to destroy. When he shows up, it's your soul. He wants to take your joy. He wants to take your hope. He wants to take your peace. He wants to take your rest. He wants to make you worry. He wants you to think you're never going to be healed. He wants you to think that the relationship's never going to be better. He wants you to think the church is never going to grow. He wants you to think the building's never going to get built. He wants you to think the debt's going to never be retired. He's coming against you because he is intentionally, strategically attacking you. Ultimately, he wants to kill you. Because what he can have, he's willing to kill. I'll probably talk about that more next week. Because what, you, what the devil can have, he's willing to kill. Oh, I feel like it. He wants to kill your relationship. He wants to kill your effectiveness. He wants to destroy you. He wants to, he, wants to, he wants to destroy your family. He wants to destroy your testimony. He wants to destroy your convictions. 
He wants to destroy your worship. He wants to destroy your prayer life. It's been a long time since I've seen us have a breakout service where everybody in the church didn't really care who thought what, but you filled up the aisles and worshiped God and didn't care if there was somebody here that's going to look at you and think, well, isn't that silly? It's time that we break down the barriers of worship and get back to the basics of old-time apostolic worship, old-time apostolic prayer, because old time is new time. It's now time. We've got to do it because of the battle that we are in. A lazy attitude, a lazy attitude toward prayer and worship communicates to me that you don't really understand what you're involved in. Because when you're in war, your senses will be heightened. And you'll come in the door and know I'm getting orders tonight. (laughs) I'm paying attention. This is war, and we'll never give up. I listen to some people pray, and the way they pray tells me that they don't understand that they're in the battle for everything. It amazes me the change when they say, you are terminal, And there's nothing that we can do for you. All of a sudden, that obstinate person now loves everybody, cares about everything. It it causes a change. If your pastor could help you understand today that we are in a battle. And it is terminal. You're not going to get out of this world alive. The rapture is the only hope you have. And the only hope of the rapture is you better be victorious between now and then. So therefore, that means we've got to fight till the end. So that means we're in a battle. So stop whining about a battle. Because you're going to fight no matter where you are. You leave the church and get out in the world, and that battle is going to be worse, except you're going to be by yourself without the help of the Lord and without the saints of God fighting with you. It's about time we get on the same team, come together and declare in the name of the Lord. We need to hold one another's hands up instead of tearing one another down. We need to encourage one another instead of discouraging one another. This is war. I need my brother and my sister. I need to fight back to back. I need to fight without giving up. Fight without worrying about if they're covering my back or going to stab me. Get a picture of souls being led away in chains and fetters. Headed to the prison camps with a certain end. The train cars came in and dropped them as they headed to the gas chambers. Why in the world would they have given up? Thank God for men like Winston Churchill. That stood up and looked and said, there's not any hope 
in surrender. We will never surrender. You think the devil's not fighting? Oh, he's fighting. He came to me in a dream two weeks ago, three weeks ago now maybe it was. Came to one of my sons in a dream just a few days ago. You think he's not fighting? I've been hearing from some of you that saying, Pastor, I don't know. I'm going to tell you, God speaks through some people that sometimes you think can't possibly be aware of anything, but they know way more in the Spirit than what you ever believed they would know. Sister Paula, thank you for being here on the third row this morning, where you always are. I walked up and spoke to her the other day a couple weeks ago. We were at camp. I walked up and spoke to her, and she just started talking and telling me she had no idea. It was like the Lord was speaking prophetically through her right into my spirit. She's just speaking words of encouragement, speaking words and saying things. Sister Paula, I don't know, maybe my wife got together with you and talked to you and told you what was going on in my personal life. But thank you for being sensitive to the Holy Ghost. You think, oh, somebody said, well, God would never use me in that way. That's why he'll use you. When you think he's not using you, get ready because that's when he will use you. When you think you're unworthy, that's who he's going to use. When you think you don't have the ability, get ready to be used. That's who he'll use because he's never used the high and the mighty. But he's always come through the unlikely source. And he said, that's who I'll use. I'll choose a, I'll choose a shepherd on the backside of a Midian desert that is slow of speech and I'll send him into Pharaoh's house. If I can't find another voice, well, I'll use a donkey. But God's going to send a word. And the word will always come in due season. Surrender, ladies and gentlemen, is not an option. I got to wrap up and got to finish. Got to get you out of here today so you can get to lunch before the fast starts. There is no hope. In surrender. You cannot be exempt from the struggle. Well, I tell you what, I'm not going to be part of this. I'm just going to step back and I'm going to let everybody else fight. You are attaching yourself to a powerless, ineffective, Weak, surrendering army. Shouldn't even be called an army. But those that are willing and ready to pray and fast and seek the face of God and seek the will of God is going to find themselves strengthened in the middle of the war. You will either fight or you'll become the spoils of war. We must endure the discomfort of this battle because there's no avoiding the enemy. Our walk with God is too precious to simply give it away and hand it over. My family is too precious to simply give it over and hand it away. We've come too far to be passive about the mission of this church. And may I say that we're not in this battle alone and we're not in this battle without a weapon.
we have an arsenal of weapons that the enemy has no defense for. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God, even to the pulling down of strongholds. There's some strongholds that's been raising up in some lives. There's some strongholds that's been raising their ugly heads in the last little while. But those strongholds are going to be pulled down by the mighty weapons of our warfare. In the name of Jesus, kingdoms are coming down. Strongholds are going to be broken and they're going to come down. Come on, CLC. Are you ready to fight? Are you ready to pull down some strongholds even in our own lives? strongholds need to be broken. It's going to come out by prayer and fasting. We've got to break down the strongholds. We've got to break it down. We have a sword. It is the Word of God. And we have a name that is above every name. Well, it's just little old me, Pastor. Year of God, little children. And have overcome them because greater is He that is in you than He that is in the world. You're not fighting alone. You're not in this by yourself. But God is fighting for us. Are you ready to take up your, your weapon? Are you ready to do war? In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, lift up your hands right where you are. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I declare war on the enemy that is coming against homes and families, that's coming against health, that is coming against emotions, that is coming against rest, that is coming against peace, that is raising against the church, that is raising against families. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we declare war and we shall be victorious in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, CLC. Let's respond to the call to war today. Are you ready? We must be victorious. We cannot surrender. Hallelujah.
Here's what I want you to do. Find two or three people around you, brother to brother, sister to sister, just get in a little group there. I want you just to grab a hold of one another, shoulder, hand, whatever you need to do this morning. We're just going to link together with faith, link our hearts. I want you to strengthen one another with a word of faith right now. I want you to speak a word of faith over them right now. In the name of Jesus, you will be victorious. The enemy will not win. Satan cannot have your mind. Satan cannot have your marriage. Satan cannot have my children. Yes. There will be a breakthrough in my finances. It's going to happen in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. 